Welcome back to the All in the Homeschool Day podcast, where we talk about all aspects of homeschooling so that you can homeschool with confidence and joy. Last week, we talked about how you can teach multiple ages at the same time in your homeschool. If you missed that episode, be sure to go back and listen to that if you have multiple school-age children and you're wondering how you can teach them at the same time. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the special challenge that occurs when you have school-age children and younger siblings. I've had parents ask me, how do I meet the needs of my school-age child and his younger siblings? It is a real challenge to know what to do with those younger kids when you are homeschooling your elementary-age children. In today's episode, I'm going to give you eight tips to overcome this struggle. The first tip is that you should let everyone play together first. Let them have some time to get the wiggles out, to have some fun before you sit down to do some work. So you might go outside and run around. Or when it was really cold, we we would go into the garage and I would pull the car out, let them roller skate or scooter around a little bit. You might have some balloons that you can blow up and let them play balloon volleyball. Or you could practice some balloon skills and let them develop some visual coordination. Just let them play together so that when your older one is watching the younger ones, they don't feel that they are completely missing out. One mom asked me what she, how she could help her seven-year-old be attentive to, during lessons be, when the younger ones are playing. And this is one way that you could do that is to let them have a little bit of playtime first and set a timer and say, okay, for the next 20 minutes, you can go play. You can do something active. You could do some pretend play, but encourage them to play together and let them have some fun and build those relationships. Now, the second tip is to tend to the needs of your youngest ones first. Give them some attention. You might read a book to the whole family. You might read a book just to your youngest one. You could work on a puzzle or play a game, play with some manipulatives. Do something that is just focused on the needs of your youngest one. And while you're working with this young one, we talked last week about teaching multiple ages at the same time and having those independent learner baskets. Using those for your older child while you're working with your younger one would be an excellent uh, use of those toolkits. You could either have your older one working on an independent assignment that they're comfortable with, such as doing their independent history reading or their copy work, or if they're old enough to be working on math on their own. Or you could have them pull something from the independent learner toolkit that they can be still doing something educational while you're working with your preschooler. Now, the third tip is to involve your younger ones as much as possible. That might throw you over the edge when you first think about that. You might think there's no way that I can get my young one to sit still while we do lessons for my old one. I want to encourage you to think outside the box a little bit in terms of what this might look like. Things that we did when I had a school-age child and a preschooler was that we read books together. My youngest one would usually sit and listen to at least one picture book. So I always, when we were planning uh, history, 
I would always plan at least one picture book and then some independent reading for my older daughter. If we were doing science books, I would often have picture books for that. And my younger daughter would not always stay with us. She would often start in my lap. And when she was the young preschooler and she lost interest, she would go either look through books on her own or play quietly with her toys. But I had trained her that she needed to do something quiet while we were doing school time. So she knew what she was able to do. Sometimes she needed some extra help getting started or I had to remind her to be quiet, but she would often join us for a little while and then she would go do her own thing. Now, speaking of those quiet activities, there are some really great learning and educational activities that you could have available for your child that could be his school time toys. So these could be activities that you only pull out during school time that will make it more fun and more interesting for your child because there's only this one time that they get to play with it. So I Examples of what you might include in those quiet activities include kinetic sand. It's a really neat medium that it's sand, but it kind of sort of sticks together. And even I enjoyed picking it up and letting it just fall apart in my hands. So that would be one option. You could have a tray of rice. What I did was got a cake pan, one of the metal cake pans that had the snap on lid. And I had one filled with kinetic sand and I had another one filled with rice or beans. If you want to mix things up, you could kind of take turns with them and sometimes have a small bean or then a larger bean. You could have small grains of rice. You could color the rice and make it more interesting and colorful. Just use the age of your child as a guide to know what to safely put in that bin. But we had a bin, had this cake pan, and it was most of the time filled with rice. And I had a few scoops, a few measuring cups, some measuring spoons. We had a small pitcher so my daughter could work on filling it up and then pouring it out. And so she was building her gross and fine motor skills in the process. And we had multiple sizes of measuring spoons. So she was getting exposure to that. And she had a great time with it. If you are able to uh, be outside, you could assemble a few buckets and some measuring spoons, some scoops and different things that they can pour with. You could have, if they're old enough, have some mason jars that they can explore how the sizes relate to each other. It may take some time to train your child how to play quietly in the water. And this may be one of those activities that you want to let everybody play together first before you get started. But that would be another option. Uh, You could have them at the sink. My youngest daughter loved playing in the water. I could fill up the sink with a couple inches of water and a bunch of bubbles, give her some toy dishes to wash and she would stand at the sink for so long playing in the water we'd have the water running the faucet running on a slow trickle so she could rinse her dishes off and that was a great way to keep her occupied now obviously put the disclaimer out there if your child is playing in water whether it's outside or at the sink be right there with them You can have your older child sitting nearby while you help her while the younger one plays but make sure that you have the appropriate supervision 
You could also have some Play-Doh that your child can play with and have some different tools that they can use in the Play-Doh. Maybe you want to have some sorting items. Again, this goes back to the age of your child, but you can go to the dollar store and usually find a container of erasers. We had a number of different erasers that were different shapes and different characters like once we had some bees and some ladybugs. These are great to use in math lessons. It allows your child to sort. If you go to any educational supply website, to learning resources, to Mardell, sometimes in the Target dollar bin, I found things. So just be on the lookout for things that your child can use as sorters. I stored them in a, a zip top bag and had them in a bucket and they we could pull one out and they could be sorting. We had a cupcake tin and some other sorting containers that they could play with. Lacing items are another great activity to have in your quiet bag. You could use pony beads and shoestrings or the Lari brand of toys has some fun lacing items. There are some that are almost like paper dolls, but with lacing. So there's a, a figure and she has clothes that you can lace onto her. They also had some that were related to construction or to uh, cars for the boys. And speaking of the Lari brand, they have a lot of great toys and puzzles. They, it's the crepe rubber, which is a really neat texture. And there's educational aspects to all of their toys. So I really enjoyed having a number of those Lari toys around for them to play with. And in fact, what I'm listing off to you are the things that I have kept uh, to have around in case we end up with a child here who needs an activity. So sometimes we might uh, babysit a friend's child. We might have a cousin visiting us. We can pull these activities out. We ha still have all of those sorting items. I still have several of those lacing items and I've kept all of our Lari toys. They're really great quality. Melissa and Doug is another great brand that you can invest in. These are generational toys that I intend to keep for as long as I have room to store them. Now there's another thing that you could do and if you search Pinterest or just search the web for preschool quiet bags, you'll find all sorts of ideas. These are ones that there's an educational component to what goes in the bag, but they're activities that your child can do quietly and independently after you work with them once or twice, which this is something you could do in that time that you give just to your youngest one first thing in the morning. Teach them how to use those quiet bags, but then they can pull them out. They're also great for taking to doctor's appointments or when you have to go to a meeting and you need something quiet for your child to do or sitting in church because they can work on them independently and it's something interesting for them to do. So those are some things you could have as those quiet activities. Some other ideas of things that you could do to involve your youngest one is to print off extra worksheets. If your older child is doing, say, a math worksheet or working on their copy work and your youngest one really wants to be involved, I would sometimes just print off an extra copy give it to my youngest and let her have a crayon and she would do whatever she wanted with it. Sometimes she'd color it in, sometimes she'd scribble all over it. Sometimes she'd actually try to trace the letters, which that was pretty rare when she was uh, really young. But the point was I did not expect her to do anything with the paper other than 
color all over it. And that was totally fine. It allowed her to feel a part of what we were doing, which she then would spend just a few minutes on this worksheet and then she would go do her own thing. So it was not a way of getting her a learning experience. It was a way of allowing her to feel involved in what we were doing. You could also take your lessons outside. We would often do our math lessons or our copy work with sidewalk chalk on the driveway. And then my youngest one could just be drawing and scribbling with the sidewalk chalk and she felt like she was a part of the school lessons. So tip number four is that you can you need to train your younger ones to play quietly nearby and to look at books. I've already given you a number of ideas of things that you can do with your younger child to allow them to play quietly, but you will need to spend some time training them in how to do that. I've heard some moms take a small quilt, like a lap size quilt, and set that on the floor. And they even start with their babies once they're sitting up and just train them to sit there playing quietly or looking at some age appropriate books for five minutes and then increase that to 10 minutes and just allow them to stay on the mat and play quietly. And it took training. It took time that the mom was working with the child as, you know, would lose interest. She would try to, to interested in another aspect of what she had on the blanket. So your child would come to equate this particular blanket with playing quietly. And you can use that during lesson times. You do not have to use the blanket. Uh, by the time I had heard about that trick, my youngest was too old for that, but I did work with her on just playing quietly. And it took some time for me to remind her that we were doing lessons. She needed to play quietly. You have to be patient during this time. Consider the time that you're training your youngest one, their educational time. That's their school time. And even if you have to decrease the amount of work that your older one is doing temporarily so you can train your younger one the benefits that you will see long-term far outweigh what you think you might be missing with your older child. A tip number five is to take your lessons outside. As long as the weather was permitting, we would sit on our back patio and my older daughter and I would work on her lessons while my younger one played. She could uh, play in the water sometimes or play in the sandbox. She might be on the swing set or she might just be observing what was going on. But by being outside, your younger one is getting a lot of benefit. We all need to be outside a lot more and especially our youngest ones. And I found that it was easier to keep them occupied and entertained because there were fewer things that they that could distract them. Now, along these lines, as you are allowing your younger ones to play and to be outside and to play, Incorporate breaks and recess into your homeschool. We used the 10-minute breaks through probably when my oldest was in third grade. I still remember the days that we would work through, say, a reading and then a writing or a math activity, and then we'd take a 10-minute break. And so I would literally set a timer for 10 minutes, and my children could go play whatever they wanted to play within reason, obviously, but they had to come back at the end of that 10 minutes. So when the timer went off, I expected my oldest daughter 
to come back. And my youngest one, whenever she was actually in uh, school age, but they had to come back immediately. And if they didn't, they lost their next 10 minute break. So there was a lot of incentive to get back because they wanted those recess breaks. And I encourage you to set that 10 minute timer for you also, because I found that if I didn't have the timer set, I would easily lose track of time. And I had to be careful what I did during those 10 minutes. I had to not get on my computer, not pick up my phone. I could go change out the laundry or I could do something in the kitchen. I could read. I was would try to read something from either Charlotte Mason or some teacher development book. I tried to uh, do things that I could easily start and stop and things were educational for me because if I got distracted and I didn't come back when the timer was done, there was no incentive for my children to come back and I was not setting a good example. But allowing your older ones to have these frequent breaks, whether it's every 20, 30, 40 minutes, it's one allows them to have a brain break, allows them to refresh, but it also allows them to not feel that they are working all morning and their younger siblings are just playing and they just want to go play. Uh, this is what I told the mom who said that her seven-year-old just wants to play with the younger siblings. So you can tell your older children, your school-age children, you need to be attentive during lesson time. Give me your best focus. I know your your siblings are playing and I know you want to go play with them, but give me your full attention for the next 10, 20 minutes and then you can go play too. So incorporate these breaks. It'll become a part of your school day. And like I said, we use them every single day when my oldest was in kindergarten and first grade. And then when she was in second and third, we still used them on the days that I could tell she was jealous that her younger sibling was playing or just having trouble focusing. Now, I touched on this seventh tip a little bit earlier, but you may need to decrease the amount of work you expect your older ones to complete if they still need a lot of your direct involvement, whether it's reading books to them, working through math lessons, whatever it is, if they still need a lot of your help and you need to be working with your younger one or you have a baby or a toddler, you may need to temporarily reduce the amount of work that you expect them to complete. Uh, you could have them doing more life skills activities. You could have them helping you with your younger one. You could have a time assigned that your older one plays with your younger one using some of those sorting and lorry toys and uh, lacing bags or, or lacing activities. Or you could have some games that they could play together. It would still be a learning experience for them, even though it's not that academic work that we're used to. Not all learning in your homeschool has to follow the model that is set out in the traditional school system. Know that this is a temporary time. Know that you are working on building those habits to help your younger ones develop the skills to play quietly so that you can accomplish more. But there have been times in our homeschool when we had to lower the expectations of what we would finish. Now, finally, you can take advantage of nap time to work on subjects that require more concentration. My children were close enough in age that we didn't have to do this very often. 
but I know some families with older children and babies that they take advantage of this a lot because during that nap time, your children can really focus and get a lot done while it's quiet and there are fewer distractions. So those are eight tips of ways that you can meet the needs of your school-aged children and his younger siblings. And I hope that gives you a little encouragement to think outside the box and to think about what you can do to train your younger ones and to help your older ones not feel left out or feel that they are not having any fun. And until next time, I hope that you have a triumphant day.